Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1. In fact, let's go to Joshua chapter 17 because I don't want to stay, stay stuck in Deuteronomy chapter 1. Spirit of the living God, I welcome your presence. I know that you are here. I know that you are here to transform. You are here to heal. You are here to make right anything that is wrong. This morning, we open our hearts and we say, speak to us, reveal yourself to us. We turn our gaze to you this morning because we know that what you have in store for us is exactly what we need for our lives. So God, speak to us this morning. Transform us. I thank you that I am anointed to teach your word and to preach your word with simplicity and with understanding. And I thank you that these, your precious people, are also equally anointed with an anointing of understanding and courage, not only to hear your word, but also to do your word. Because we realize that wisdom is the main thing. So this morning, we are choosing to get wisdom. And in everything that we get, we get understanding. It is in Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, and the church shouted, amen, amen. I want to speak to you this morning about what I am calling keys to becoming greater. Keys to becoming greater. I really do believe, I feel like we are... We are in, well, we are in between series, and some of the things that I'm sharing with you uh, or have been sharing for the last three weeks are, 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 are things that um, the Lord has been speaking to me that didn't necessarily fit into the series that we were, we were doing, and so I'm just bringing them. But I really do believe that we are in a season of transition. I really do believe that. You need to understand that the church is not just meant to be a place where we get educated on biblical principles. It ought to be the case that when you come to church, you get to know some of the biblical principles that are in the scripture. I, 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 and that is a great thing and that is a necessary thing. But the church is also supposed to be a place where we hear the now word of God. You know what I mean by the now word of God? In other words, there are things that God has said in his scripture that have been written for our instruction, for our guidance, for our growth, for our development. But there are also some things that God is saying right here and right now for the season that you find yourself. In other words, there are some things that God is saying in July 2019. And when we come to church, not only do we give weight to the things that he said in times past, but we also want to learn to give weight to what he's saying right now um, where you are. And in other words, the church has to be prophetic in nature in the sense that we are hearing what God is saying and saying what God is saying. That's what prophecy is really. It is nothing much more sophisticated than that. It is being able to hear what God is saying, when God is saying it, and saying it when he wants us to say it. Are you with me so far? And so this is the responsibility of the church. And one that I do take very seriously, God forbid, um, well, if I have a fear, it is that I'll just stick into, you know, I'll become a professional preacher. You know, professional preacher is one who doesn't need to think much. You know, you know, in order to preach the word, you can just give me any scripture. I can preach you something on it. Amen. If you preach long enough, you will know how to hype from any scripture. You know what I mean? You, you will know how to kind of work the scripture to get an amen. And, and if I have a fear as a preacher, it is that I will become that. And I refuse to become that. And I believe that the only way that I will not become that if I, is if I keep listening to hear what God is saying to the church today. 
Amen. Because what, what, you will, what will determine your future is the now word of God. It is what he's saying to you right now. And so one of the things I love about the book of Acts, for instance, is you will see that every time that they gathered, when the disciples gathered, they will teach the word. But one of the things that they did significantly was at the point of decision, they would gather and they would pray. And you would find that the next action that they take will be in line with what they were asking for. In other words, they didn't just gather around some biblical principles, even though they, they talked about that, but they came to seek the, the Lord for particular instructions in their lives. Let me encourage you, every time you come to church, make sure you are looking to hear from God for a spe specific situation in your life, because that's how God wants to lead you. Someone put your right hand up, say, God, lead me. And so what we want to do is to make sure that we are, we are hearing from God because when we gather, you ought to be hearing what God is saying and allowing that to influence your next move. Educating your mind about the principles of the scripture should never be a substitute for educating your heart um, about the person behind the principles. I'll say that again. Never substitute educating your mind um, with the, uh, uh, about the principles of, of Scripture with educating your heart about the person behind the Scripture. It is important that you don't lose sight. The will of God is that we are doing the two of them simultaneously. And I believe that in this season that we are in transition from one season to another. That is why maybe in the last three weeks, uh, I've talked to you about over becoming an overcomer. Because if you are going to step into the next season, you're going to have to overcome some things in this place where you are. Um, and last week, we talked about navigating seasons. Uh, and today, I want to speak to you about becoming greater. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 1, we find where God, we're going to Joshua, so we, we might put, put that up on Deuteronomy 1.6 on the screen. Uh, we find that, that God is moving these people there in a place of transition. And he says, he, says, he says to them, look, you have been around this Horeb for so long, it is time for you to move on. He says, you have been around this mountain for so long, it's time for you to continue on your journey. I'm looking for somebody who is like me that is saying there are some things in my life I have been around so long. Anybody in here saying, okay, Lord, thank you for all that you are doing in my life, but there are some things in my life that I'm tired about. I'm tired of having this fight. Come on now. I'm tired of walking this same journey over and over again. Thank you for the progress that I have seen so far, but I have been around some mountains too long. Someone say, it's my season for transition. Come on, say it like you believe it. and Say, it's my season for transition. I need some people who are sick and tired of being sick and tired to just say it is my season for transition amen i, I am ready for the next level amen I, I need the next level and i really feel this for us as a church um that i believe we are ready for the next level come on i was expecting a big amen right there i, I said we are ready for the next level anybody hungry with me today say we are ready for the next level and I believe it's time to unlock that next level in your life. It is time to break out of this income bracket that you have been in for the last 15 years. It is time to break out of this mindset or this 
cap that your business has been in, it's doing well, it's paying the mortgage, it's giving you a few holidays. But I dare say that there is more that God has in store for you. There is another level of joy. Thank God for where you are, but let me tell you, there is another level of joy that is awaiting you in your relationships, and this is that season to push for it. The kingdom of God suffers violence, and it is the violent who take it by force. Anybody here ready to take your next season by force? Amen. Now, we're not going back the same way. This is my posture before God. I'm not going back the same way. I'm not finishing this year the same way that I started. Something has got to change in my life. This mindset has got to change in my life. I've got to be better than, than I was yesterday because I see in the scripture some things that I have not seen in my life. There are still, you know, where, if you consider where you are cons uh, in comparison to what God can do, it is like when you go on the beach and you go in the water and you stand in the water and you get you keep walking and you keep going and the water gets to this place but yet you look out and there is still so much more water regardless of where you are we are going from ankle deep to knee deep anointing how come on anybody with me this morning i'm looking for one or two hungry people and we will change the world together we are going from ankle deep anointing to knee deep anointing if you are on knee deep anointing we're going to your waist this morning. From your waist, we're going to go to the neck. Some of us are going to leave here swimming in the anointing because that's where we're going. There is more. There is more. Amen. And I hear the Lord saying, it's your time for the next season. You've been here too long. You've been bitter too long. It's time to let it go. Hallelujah, you've been, you've, been, you've been holding this unforgiveness for so long. What they did was not right, but it's your season for freedom. It's your season to let go. You have been on this level as a Christian for so long. You have been, you know, praying the same tongues for so long. It's time to get new tongues. Hallelujah. It's time to change from Shandai. Get, get Vauxhall. Get something. Get another tongue. It's time to, amen, change your Toyota tongues to another. It's time to go on to Mercedes, Bugatti, Vero, Rava. Amen. Just, just a different tongue. Give me something else. Amen. Not because we are ungrateful. You see, you see as we go along. Not because we're ungrateful for what he has done so far, but because there is more and it is an insult to the blood of Jesus to stay where you are. He has purchased much more that, that, that you are experiencing. Someone say it's time to unlock the next level. In the book of Joshua chapter 17, let's start from verse 17. He says, And Joshua spoke to the house of, Ju of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, You are a great people, and you have great power. I'm like, who's that guy preaching? You're preaching good. <laughs> I was like, is that another church here? Yeah, that, that sounds like me, okay. <laughs> and Joshua spoke the word, the word uh, sp spoke to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, You are a great people and, uh, and have great power. You shall, not, you shall not have only one lot, but the mountain country shall be yours also. Yeah. Someone say, That's me. Come on, I need some people of faith this morning. If that's you, don't be shy to lift your voice this morning. We, we want to, you know, when you are ready, you're going to cry out for what God has for you. 
Amen. He says, he says, it shall be yours also. He says, although it is wooded, you shall cut it down. And his father's extent shall be yours. For you shall drive out the Canaanites. Though they have iron chariots, uh, though they have iron chariots and are strong. These guys are on the edge, if you know the story. You know, they've been traveling from Egypt and going to the promised land. They are transitioned from Moses leading them out of Egypt to the place where Joshua has now led them into the promised land. And so they're now on the exact allocated land that God has designated for them. And these are the children of Joseph that they are called. And so, uh, uh, and so the promise of God still had some giants in it. It still had some land, some wood, some trees in it that needed to be cut down to be, it was an unrefined land that needed to be refined, but it was still theirs. Uh, uh, for them, they had made so much progress, but the next level was to clear this ground and take possession of what was already theirs. Is there somebody in here who has some possessions that you are yet to take a hold of? You got some wisdom that you know Christ has purchased for you, but you are yet to get a hold of that thing. And this morning, I, I know by the Spirit of God, you are on the edge of your promised land. I think that sometimes as Christians, we go to church and we go to hear a Joshua say to you, you are a great person. You have great power. You will not only have one lot, but you would also take the mountain country also. But what we do is we settle for the warm feeling of hearing that you are great, of hearing that you have a great land of hearing that you have the wisdom of God, that God is fighting for you. Hearing all this thing, we settle for the warm feeling because right now as you're hearing this, you are, you, there is a warmness and an assurance that comes and that is wonderful. It is part of the deal. But we settle for the warm feeling that we get when we hear about all these things, that we have the power of God, that you are the head and not the tail. You are beautiful. You are accepted. You are forgiven. You are loved. And we settle for that feeling. But I came to remind you that there is still a land to possess. I came to remind you that there is an inheritance that we have to live, leave for our children. I came to remind you that there is a, should the Lord tarry, we ought to live like people who understand that there is a generation coming after us. Yeah. Gentlemen, I came to remind you that there are young men who are looking for models to copy. I came to remind you, young ladies, that there are, there are older women, that there are young ladies that need to be trained in the way that they ought to go. I came to remind you that there are people coming after us. There is a land to get a hold of that the victories we win in our lifetime will make a difference for the coming generation. Yeah. There is more. I said there is more. And so we owe it not only to ourselves and not only to the blood of Jesus, we owe it to the coming generation to make sure that we don't cap our growth to make sure that we don't stay on this level, to make sure that what you are currently experiencing in your walk with God, the supernatural encounters that you are having, it, I pray that this is not all that you are going to have because there is more. Yeah. It's time to step up a level. Yeah. I said it's time to step up a level. Yeah. 
It's time to unlock the greatness that is inside of you. When God was creating Adam, the Bible says that he was looking for a helper at some point. He was looking for a helper and what God put him to sleep and brought the helper out of him. The greatness that you are looking for is not on the outside. It's already on the inside of you. And what we have got to do is find the keys to unlock that which is on the inside of me. You listen carefully. Every answer you need for the next level is not in the hand of somebody because God is too wise to put your destiny in another person's hand. God is too gracious to, 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 to put your future in the hand of another person. What he did is he put it on the inside of you and the Bible says deep calls on to deep. Understanding is, you know, there is wisdom in your heart that is deep and a man of understanding can come and pull it out. It's inside of you. Your next level is already on the inside of you. And so what we're going to do is look at some tips to unlock it. Someone say, I'm unlocking my next level. And so let's talk about some keys to unlock your next level of greatness because there are, these are by no means, you know, this is not the end. Thank God for what he has done in your life. Anybody grateful for what God has done in your life? Hallelujah. Aren't you grateful? I love that. Aren't you grateful? Just take a minute. Thank God we, you know, for what he has done in your life. But, but there is more. And I hope I stir up a hunger in you this morning. I hope I stir up a hunger in you for this morning, recognizing that there is more. Because listen to this. The first key to unlocking the greatness in your life is dissatisfaction. Becoming dissatisfied with where you are. If you are satisfied with where you are, you will never reach for more. Becoming dissatisfied. You will never step out of a level that you are fully satisfied with. Amen. Amen. One of the ways, whilst I thank God for, for the benefit system in this country, and, and you know, some of you might not like it, like what I'm about to say, whilst I thank God for the benefit system in this country, it is a blessing, and I truly believe that it ought to be celebrated. But, but, but one of the traps of re receiving um, help is that help can keep you comfortable. And when help keeps you comfortable, you can be trapped in a system of comfort. You can be trapped. Poverty is usually a product of satisfaction where you are, of trying to make ends meet and getting good at making ends meet. But God didn't call you to make ends meet. He called you to have dominion, to multiply and replenish the earth. He is talking surplus. Hallelujah. Just three people agree with that. Amen. You must not like Boris Johnson, your prime minister. <laughs> but I'm trying to tell you, until you get dissatisfied with where you are, Dissatisfied. This is, I think I said this a few weeks ago. Uh, particularly, let, let me just talk about it because it's in my mind. Let me just talk about it right now. It, it, some of you think you're rich because, you know, your, your, your bills are paid. Your direct debits are hitting. You know, the, the, it's, it's, it's going out and, and things. Are, but you are as poor as they come because, because if your job should go today. Amen. Rich is not having enough money to buy Starbucks every day. In fact... <laughs> I, let's leave that alone. This, this are, you know, I was saying poverty in, the, in, in many parts of the country is so different to poverty here. Poverty here, where's Gucci? What, what, mm. 
Poverty, poverty here wears, wears designer stuff. Amen. Poor folk, you know, it, it is usually the poor folk who spend money on those kind of things. Now, now, please listen to me. I like Gucci. I think you should wear it. It is the will of God for my life. Amen. Amen. Nobody hate, hate on my Gucci or hate on my whatever. Amen. So, so, and, I, and I celebrate. In fact, one of the things I do, particularly when it comes to cars, if I see somebody, I saw someone driving this Lamborghini the other day, and I just chase them. I look, oh boy. I, I, just kind of, I always try and get their attention to just kind of, <laughs> just kind of, just kind of. Pastor Ray sent me, so he saw a Bugatti the other day, a picture of a Bugatti, and he sent me the message. I said, yes, Lord. Yes. Yes, do it for me. Amen. <laughs> and so, so what, what, but what we want to understand, I don't know about you, I, I, I think it is very possible, and the more I pastor, the more I find it necessary to say stuff like this, particularly in environments like this where we want you to uh, aspire for more. What we don't want you to aspire for is more that has no real substance. It is, it is wearing Gucci, but you have no savings. Does that make sense? That is poverty. That is what poverty looks like. Because the moment you walk out of the car showroom with the Bugatti Veyron, it loses value. It starts to depreciate. And if you have more stuff that is depreciating, that you have more things that are appreciating, you are already on a poverty place. And so until you become, and I'm saying that because you can, you, can, you, can, you can be able to get a hold of the Gucci or get a hold of the Versace and get to a place where you are satisfied because you made it, you think you've arrived, uh, and, and it puts you in this place of satisfaction when in reality, this is not the perfect place for you to be. This is not what God had in store for you. He wanted you to wear the Gucci, to wear the Versace, but also have enough savings for your children's children. Because a good man leaves an inheritance for their children's children. But until you get, if you get satisfied with where you are, because you like what you are wearing, and you are happy with what you are driving, and you can go on three holidays a year, but you have nothing more, then you are, you, you, you are satisfied with where you are, and you are not ready for the next level. The first thing that you are going to need to get, a, get to grips with is a holy dissatisfaction with where you are. I'm not talking about a discontentment. A discontentment is different to, you know, the, there is similarities, but the kind of dissatisfaction I'm talking about is not discontentment. Discontentment has more to do with a lack of gratitude for where God has taken you. It has more to do with the despising of what you currently have. But the, when I talk about a dissatisfaction, I am talking about a comparison between what we read in the scripture and what we see in our lives. It ought to be the case that whilst we are grateful, we are also bothered when we show up and we lift our hands and it doesn't, you don't experience the presence of God. It ought to bother you. You ought to get dissatisfied that, that, that a sick person will show up to a place where we say the presence of God is and they walk away the same way. We ought to get dissatisfied with that. Are you ready to be pushed this morning? I want to push you into greatness this morning. But it starts with a level of dissatisfaction with where you are. I think it's First Chronicles chapter 4. I don't know if it's First Chronicles or Second. Check First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9. It's the story of Jabez. If it's not first, then it's second. Is it first? 
Praise God. Chronicles chapter 4, 1 Chronicles or 2nd Yeah, is this 2nd? Am I in 2nd? Yeah, 1st Chronicles, perfect. 1st Chronicles chapter 4 verse 9 says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called out to the God of Israel, If only you would bless me. And enlarge my territory. May your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And the Bible says, and God granted him his request. Jabez found himself in a place where he is called pain. And I don't know what happened, but I truly believe that something happened. Maybe he went to church one morning and there was one big-headed preacher preaching to him. And he decided, you know what, Lord? This level is not enough. I'm tired of being called pain. Lord, change my status. There needs to be a certain level of dissatisfaction with your current level. It's not being ungrateful. It's not being appreciative of what God has done. But it's recognizing that the blood of Jesus has purchased much more for me than this. The first step is this level of holy, what I call holy dissatisfaction. Every now and again, I really believe that God will begin to, and I believe that a lot of times it starts with God, that God will stir up a holy dissatisfaction with you. He will say to John, come up higher. In other words, you think you're high enough, but there is a higher place. And suddenly you start to look up and think there is more. Amen. He, he, he will stir up a holy dissatisfaction for, what, for, 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 for um, where you currently are. There are dimensions of glory that we are yet to experience. There are supernatural levels. Please listen carefully. Do not allow, <laughs> do, you are not a normal human being. I'll say it again. You are not a normal human being. A normal human being does not have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. That, uh, 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 an abnormal, a supernatural human being is one who has the, the, the spirit of the living God on the inside. When God moved into your life, the scripture says you became a new creature, a whole new species in kind. Amen? And so there is more for us to experience. Dissatisfaction is often the trigger for transition into another level. Some of you, you you're, you're already experiencing it. You know, you're, in, a, you're in, that, in that job. The job is good. All is well. But there is just something. Just, you know, Monday morning, it's like, uh, God is stirring a dissatisfaction because he's ready to take you to the next level. Amen. And some Christian talked you out of it. No, he's stirring a holy dissatisfaction. Amen. He's stirring a holy dissatisfaction. Someone's going to quit their job tomorrow morning. <laughs> Just make sure you have your mortgage sorted, okay? Just, just let the Lord lead just the Lord lead you. I'm saying he will stir something up and give you the wisdom. Amen? Wisdom is important. Everyone say, get wisdom. If you are satisfied with the level of spiritual operation, you're not going to reach for more. If you're satisfied with what you experience in worship, with, with what you're, you're, you, know, you know, you know in worship, there are levels to worship. I'm telling you, there are levels to what we do here is, is Sunday morning worship. There are levels to worship where you can worship in the car and you'll be in the presence of God. There are times I worship and I want to stop worshiping quickly because I feel like where I'm going, I might not be able to come back. 
it's a bit like you're swimming and you are you feel like I'm getting into the deep end and there is something pulling you because you know it's the presence of God. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But I'm telling you there are levels in worship. There are levels in experience. Worship is nothing more than a... Worship is, is from the word worthy, okay? So, so when we worship, it is, a, it is a, an expression of the level of worthiness of the one that you are worshiping. And so the more, the more you, you walk with him, the more you see him, the more he becomes more worthy of your worship that sometimes I have to just, don't judge me now, okay? Sometimes I feel like I have to, particularly after preaching, okay? Can I tell you, don't, okay, I don't know if I should tell you. <laughs> sometimes after preaching, I get in the car, I have to go play some Afro beats. No, just play something that is not Christian because where I am is I'm floating too much and I need to come back to be with my family. That makes sense? Some of you are judging me. Or I told you don't judge me. Some of you are already judging me right there, okay? Uh, and so it almost feels in some ways, I don't know why I told you that, but anyway, it, it, it almost feels, Afro, oh, obviously, no, don't, don't start telling I'm, I'm trying to pull it back, but there's no coming back from that. I've, I've gone too far. The point I'm making is that there are levels in everything you experience. Everything that we do, there, there are levels in giving. There are levels in worship. There are levels in praying in tongues. There are times when you pray in tongues. You can pray in tongues and, and change your level to the place where you feel you are speaking directly into your situation. There are levels in everything. I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to stir up a dissatisfaction for where you are. Not because it isn't great. Not because God hasn't done great things here. But because, he, because we serve God, he is a big ocean and he's calling us for more. He's calling us for more. Pay attention to the areas of your life in which you are dissatisfied. In some cases, it would just be discontentment where you are being ungrateful for what God has done. In some cases, it would be because you just need to adjust and become grateful. But in some cases, it would be because the Lord is about to take you to another level. The Lord will come to your Horeb and say, okay, Horeb is not enough for you to stay here anymore. It's time for you to go into what God has for you. The Lord will come to where you are. In fact, if you read, if you read where they were, where the, in Joshua chapter 17, I encourage you to go read from the beginning. If you read from the beginning, the children of Joseph actually came to Joseph before he, he told them what he told them. They came to Joseph and said to Joseph, Joseph, the land you have given us is too small. Someone say dissatisfaction. When you get to the place where, 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 what, where what you have compared to what God has promised, you kind of say, no, no, I'm grateful for this, but it's too small. You know, when you compare, you compare it to the dream that you have, no, it's too small. Yeah, right. Amen. Yeah. The time came in our journey of pastoring, I realized that, <laughs> that, that you, the church is never going to pay me what I need. Amen. Amen. The church is never going to be able to pay me what I need, not for living, what I need to become who God has called me to be a dissatisfaction, and so I changed my mind about where my income comes from. A dissatisfaction from, uh, from, you know, from, 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 the level, from the level that you are currently experiencing. What are you dissatisfied about in your life? And where are you looking? Because it might be God stirring you to go up to the next level. Be grateful for what you have. 
Be grateful for where you, where you are. Thank God for the sources of income that he is sending you. But Jesus died to obtain for us much more. This is why Jabez was called an honorable man. Because even though his mother called him pain and that is all that he had experienced all his life, he honored God more than he honored his circumstances. More than he, he honored God enough by believing that this is the God who is able to enlarge my territory. I don't know about you. I am grateful for what God is doing in my life. I am grateful for what he has. I mean, I've seen God do great things in my life and with my hands and lives he has changed. But I am dissatisfied with this level. I am grateful for how God has preserved us as a church. But let me tell you the truth, church. I am dissatisfied with this level. I believe we are called for more. I believe that it's not over until all the families of the earth have been blessed. I believe that it's not over until every year you are appreciating. It ought to be the case that every year you are appreciating in your finances, in your walk with God. This is my goal, that every year that when you take stock of your life, by the end of December 2019, compared to 1st of January 2019, there will be a great appreciation. And in fact, that the more you walk with us, the compound appreciation will be great. If it was 8% appreciation this year, that by the time we step into year two, you will be on 20% appreciation. By the time we step into year five, you will be completely transformed, a different person, flowing in the million flow, with the anointing over your life, not talking the same kind of way, because God is transforming our lives. I'm not satisfied with this level. I'm grateful that you are here. I'm grateful that you are here with us and serving and putting your hands to the plow, but I'm not satisfied that your cousin isn't here. I'm not satisfied that there are members of your family that are not yet saved. I am not satisfied that, th that this is where you are. God has more in store for us. So I'm calling us to a holy dissatisfaction with where you are. Amen. I want us to be dissatisfied like Jabez, where we're not ashamed to say, Lord, expand my territory. Anybody dissatisfied with their level right now? Come on, put your, put your two hands. I want you to do something that doesn't seem dignified. Because Jabez crying out to God, this, you know, was, did not seem like a dignified thing, but it was. It was so dignified because you honored God. This morning, Lord, we lift our hands to you, and we say without shame, oh, that you would bless us. Oh, that you will expand our territories. Oh, that you will increase us on every side. Lord, you see every hand that is lifted up. Every hand lifted up is a hand that is desperate to experience more of you, oh God. We know that there is more. We are thankful for what you have done, but we are reaching for more, God. More, oh God. Bless your people this morning. Increase us, oh God. Change their status, oh God. That pain ought to go, oh God. Put your hand upon us afresh, oh God. We call for you this morning. We call for you. When you are dissatisfied with your level, you understand I'm going to pray every moment because I want to be in tune with him. You know, the reason why you're chewing gum when they're worshiping is you are happy with where you are. 
Amen. The reason why you're just kind of standing and chilling when, when the next man is going into the presence of God is because you are satisfied. You, you, you feel you've arrived. But some of us are so unsatisfied that we want to reach into his presence. Someone say, Lord, bless me. Say, Lord, enlarge my territory. May your hands be with me. Keep me from pain. Change my status. Come on, say it again. Oh, Lord, bless me. Enlarge my territory. May your hand keep me. May your hand be with me. Keep me from pain. Change my status. Amen. Amen. The Lord will satisfy your hunger. That's the beautiful thing about the God, and we'll talk about that as we go along. Amen. So become dissatisfied. If you're going to, I have about five of these, but I'm just going to go, go, go with just two this morning. Become dissatisfied with your level. And by the way, this, the two this morning are a bit like, you know, broccoli, like your vegetables first. So stay with me. Please come back next week because next week we will have some sticky toffee pudding, okay? So, so, so what I preach today might seem a bit old school and might seem, um, might seem you know, a bit like, you know, you know in, in, our, in our generation we are used to hype. We are used to, under, you know, we're used to, you know, um, you know how we raise children, you know, you are a good boy. And it's good that you speak good things to them, but sometimes you just got to tell them off. Say, no, 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 you are better than that. We don't do that. Right. Amen. So, so excuse me for my old school preaching this morning, but I believe somebody is going to the top. Amen. Amen. The second thing I want to talk to you about this morning in your, to unlock your next level of greatness is what I'm saying. I'm calling it becoming broken. This is one that we don't talk about much. Becoming broken. You know, uh, your, your level of brokenness, I didn't say becoming broke. <laughs> no, no, that, is, that does not do God any favor. Poverty is an insult to the God who has the cattle and a thousand hills. Amen? It is not the will of God for you to be in lack. So that's not what I'm talking about. There is a difference. And can you just let me preach, okay? Let me just explain to you. Because the level of brokenness on th that you, you have on this level will determine how God or if how far God can take you into the next level. Stay with me. David said this in Psalm 51, verse 17. He says this in Psalm 51, verse 17. He says that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. Psalm, Psalm 51, verse 17. He says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart God will, you, O oh God, will not despise. See, when you offer bulls and rams, when you give your big offering, like we're going to give an offering later on, it's great that we, are, we bring the bulls. It is scripture to do those things. They have their place. But when we offer all of those things, when in the Old Testament, when they will bring the cow or when they will bring the goat and when they bring the animals to the temple, it, God did, doesn't eat the bulls. God doesn't eat meat, you know. Don't judge me. <laughs> he told us to eat meat, though, okay. But, but, but God doesn't, because I heard the vegetarian say, you see, pastor? No, stop it, stop it. No, God, God doesn't, is, is the priest in the house that ate the meat. Do you know what God receives? It is the brokenness that comes with your willingness to offer that sacrifice. I'll explain what, what I mean. It, it, it was the priest who ate the, the bulls. You know, the, when you give your money 
at church, God doesn't have a, a Lloyd's bank account. The bank account is for Radiant City, London. Does that make sense? So it's not God's accounts. Really, the, we use the, the money here to advance the kingdom here. That money is only necessary and needed here. So when you give financially, God must receive something else. What does he receive? It is the heart that is humble enough. Brokenness is not, it's an old-fashioned word for humility. It is an old-fashioned word for, for yieldedness. Uh, what God receives is a broken sacrifice, is a broken heart, is a, is a heart that is yielded to him. And we'll talk about it as we go along. When you do all those things according to scripture, you give your, you know, and that is why what is even more important than what you do is the state of your heart or the motivation behind what you do. If your heart is not in what you do, then you've just helped the church financially, and there is a blessing for that. I am sure of that. But however, you know, the, the reality is God is looking at your heart to see the state of your heart towards him. That is where the difference is. That is why David says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. The only thing that is not the bull or the goat, it's not the thing that is a sacrifice for us. It is the spirit that is open to him. Brokenness means exactly that, shattered. A heart that is in pieces. A heart that is, that is broken in different levels. A heart that is... That is, yeah, that, that is broken. There, there is no other, you know, there is, there is no deeper word. It just means that. To be broken, to be in pieces before God. Now, it's not being as important we hear. This is where many Christians, you know, get things wrong when we talk about stuff like this. It is not seeing yourself as a sorry nobody. That is not what the scripture teaches about you. It is not seeing yourself as un invaluable, as useless. Uh, you know, it, that is not what the scripture teaches. It is not seeing yourself as a useless nobody. It is, it is not being in a place where you don't see that you are loved, accepted, and valued by God. It is not that. That is not what the scripture teaches. Brokenness is more, it, 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 it is to be humble before God. It is to, it is to be before God. You know, uh, this is a big thing because man's biggest problem is pride. The problem of sin is not a problem of what you did. It is a problem of pride. It is a problem of saying God says to forgive, but there is something on the inside of you that is arrogant enough to say, no, I'm not going to forgive because they hurt me. Somehow, you, are, you have valued what God said as not as important as your opinion. Are you with me this morning? Humility is your key to the next level. Amen? Amen? To be broken is to be humble before God. It is to be before God with a consciousness that apart from his grace, I have nothing that is holding me up before him. I'll say that again. Brokenness is to have a severe consciousness that apart from the grace of God, that every time you stand before God, every time you go about your business, brokenness is understanding, is living with an understanding that I am what I am by the grace of God alone. It is having the understanding that it is him who is keeping me up. He is the one sustaining me. He is the one up upholding me. That is why I was saying to some of you on social media earlier, listen, we don't treat coming to church like, like it's a hobby. We come to church because we need to come to church like the fish needs water. 
We come to church, we, we open the word of God, not because it's just a nice thing to do to feel better. We open the word of God because if God doesn't say something, I'm going to drown. It is an awareness that this word is not a sideshow. Uh, it's not. It's not like my you you not, not my yours. You side chick. It's not. <laughs> I started saying that. I said this analogy could go all kinds of places. Pastor, you have side chick? No, I don't. I don't. I'm satisfied. Fully booked. Fully satisfied. Glory be to God. By the way, this year, this 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 week, ten years married. Rakatala bayakali. I just feel like. I just feel like doing a good dance right there because God has kept us, man. Kept my fine wife. She's on call today. That's why she's not here. But, but are you with me so far? God, God is, God is. And brokenness is, is just this supernatural, this, this awareness. It is this, this consciousness that he is the one who keeps my soul. That if it wasn't for him keeping me, I don't know where I would be. If it wasn't for him sustaining me in my dark hours, I don't know who I would be. Brokenness is this realization that everything that I am is because of him. I don't, I don't mean in a churchy way. I mean you know it in your heart. That's what it looks like. The problem with greatness is that you can be deceived by your level of achievement. You can be deceived on, by your level of achievement on this level that you actually feel that you have some leg to stand on apart from the grace of God. Brokenness is being sober-minded enough to know that you are standing in the presence of God before whom you have nothing to boast about. The scripture says about Abraham that Abraham, if he had anything to boast about, it was not before God. And brokenness is understanding that, that before God, I have nothing to boast about. The, your level of brokenness on this level will determine how far God can take you. Where are the broken Christians in the church today? Where are those believers who, constant, who are constantly before God saying there was a time when we used to cry out, Lord, make me an instrument in your hand. There was a time when we used to give ourselves to the Lord and say, Lord, mold me into the shape that you want. Somehow our, our generation has carried Christianity and made us a bunch of people who consistently go before God. And the only thing we take to God is a list of our demands without a willingness to give yourself to the God who can satisfy your demands. I am calling us to a different level of brokenness because the next level that God is taking us, we cannot go there as children. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I behaved like a child. But today I'm talking grown man folk. I'm talking about grown man stuff. The stuff is time for you to, I'm not saying put away your list. I'm not saying don't, don't talk to God about what you need. That is not what I am saying. What I am saying is that you cannot go before God. The, the days of going before God, just on the basis of what you need, those days ought to be over because it's keeping you on one level. And the beauty, the beauty is God is supplying he will. He's a good God. If you live on that level, he will, every time you come with your list, he will satisfy you. Well, yeah. 
It is true. He doesn't take away from that. If you live on this level where every time you go before God, the only thing you're asking is what you need. He's a good father. He will make sure you never lack. But I'm talking about going to another level. Talking about going to another level. Where are those believers who are not drunk on their own hype? Where are those believers who are, who are lions in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of darkness, who, 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 are, who stand as giants in the kingdom of darkness, giants in the industry? But when we come into the presence of God, we are, we are on our knees. We are not sophisticated. We are, you know, I heard the story of this amazing man of God. He's still alive, the great man of God, doing great things. If I said his name, you know who he is. I heard the story about him. He was in the middle, or he was, they were in a, in a prayer meeting with, with so many other pastors, and, and they were praying about ministry and praying into what God had called them to do. And it was a pastor who was next to this man of God praying that, um, that gave this account. And he says, he's, he's, this man of God is on this side, and we have all the other men of God around. And he could hear what other people are praying about. And all the other men of God are declaring, in the name of Jesus, my future, I will become. And they are decreeing the word. I'm praying in power. Uh, you know, sometimes, and, and uh, this is why sometimes I don't, I don't hang around pastors. I'm sorry, I love pastors. <laughs> But I, I, I don't have, I have one or two pastor friends, but I don't get into the committee of pastors because sometimes it, it becomes like a, a place where you're trying to demonstrate how powerful you are. The other day, I laid hands on somebody and the lame, I go, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. So where is your church? My, my church, we, we are about 500 strong. The Lord is doing great. And the pastor talk, like, wow, God is good. Amen. And, and, so, and, so, and so they're in this place, and he's giving this account of how these other men of God are praying. And, and, and you know, sometimes when you're in a company of believers praying, sometimes we're not really talking to God, we're talking to our neighbor. <laughs> and you know, shout me down. You know it's true. Sometimes you're not really talking to God. You're trying to impress, impress your neighbor. Sometimes husband and wife are not really talking to God. They're, they're talking to their husband. I've, I've seen situations where, <laughs> where the wife is in the other room. Father, I pray for my husband. Lord, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to my, Lord, change him. Tell him that what he did yesterday annoyed me, Lord. No, you're not talking to God. Go, 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 go and tell your husband the truth. Have a conversation with him. Leave me. And, so, and so he's in the middle, he's in the middle, and these pastors are on this side and declaring, and all, all, the, all they're saying is scriptural. But he's this man of God who is an exceptional man doing amazing work for the kingdom of God in every country of the world. And the only thing this man was saying is, mercy, Lord. Mercy. Have mercy on us, O God. Because brokenness is understanding that when you go before God, it is not your eloquent or your ability to articulate scripture. God is the word. How can you go before God and think that it is your articulation of scripture that makes a difference? When you go before God, it is his mercy that keeps you. It is his mercy that sustains you. And this man has cracked it because he goes before God and he's mercy God. God, strengthen us. God, show us. Are you with me so far? This is what brokenness looks like. See, carelessness is the temptation of the great. 
When you become great, you can become careless with your perspective about how you got to where you got to. Remember the book of Luke chapter 12. Are you with me this morning? Uh, is this helping somebody this morning? Somebody, I, I, I know these are greens that I'm serving up today, but the greens will make you stronger in the right places. Amen? Maybe you have, you're not ready for, 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 for good food because you've been feeding on junk. Because that's what happens when you're used to junk and they, prov- you know, they, they, they bring the broccoli out. You can't say, what is this madness? Amen. No, no, no. You, it's time for good food. <laughs> I'm talking about myself right there. But anyway, Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. I'm going to read it from the Message Bible from verse 19. It says, then, then this is Jesus. He tells them a story. The farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest. Then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. This is what greatness does to you. You get drunk on your own hype. You get high on your own achievements. He says, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll gather all my grains, all my grain and goods. And I'll say to myself, self, you've done well. You've got it made. And now you can retire. That's how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message translation. He says, take it easy and have the time of your life. And just then God showed up and said, fool, may this never be your story. You know, when God shows up and calls you fool, you're in trouble. (laughs) He says, tonight, tonight you die. Not tomorrow. We're not waiting. Tonight. Tonight you die, and your barn full of goods, who's going to get it? He says, that's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. See, the strength of God looks for weakness in people. i say it again. The strength of God looks for your weakness. The strength of God is not looking for your strength. It's just like the righteousness of God doesn't look for your righteousness because your righteousness is like filthy rags before God. It might be impressive to man, but it is like filthy rags before God. It is the same thing with your strength. Your strength is not really strength. It is, it is, it is an opportunity for God to demonstrate his own strength. Amen? Jacob comes before God in the presence of God. We, we don't have time to go into that. He comes before God in the presence of God. And I, I could preach about what is great about him wrestling with God because there, there, there is a place in our journey where we have to wrestle with God. And, and there is that. But, but I want to talk about it from a different perspective because Jacob had enough strength in his own to fight God. He still had strength to fight God. He was still called Jacob at this point, and he had enough strength to fight. Some of you feel like Jacob. You're in that place where you're arguing with God. And look what God had to do. God had to dislocate his joint before he can change his level. Because Because there is a level of brokenness that is required on this level in order for your name to be changed from Jacob to Israel. For as long as you still have enough strength to fight God, you are ready to be where you are. Abraham, for as long as you still have some juice and you can still make a baby with Hagar, you're not ready for the promise. And so God will wait till nothing works and Viagra is a long way away. He will wait. (laughs) He will wait and then he will show up because the strength of God 
is made perfect in your weakness. If I were you, like Paul, I would boast about my weaknesses. When we go before God, we don't go bragging about our strengths. We don't go bragging about how wonderful our tongues are. We go before God with a consciousness that if not by his grace, where would we be? That's what brokenness looks like. What level of brokenness are you experiencing or operating in or at this level? The strength you have is for the work that you do in your life. But once you come into the presence of God, you've got to put your strength down, put your achievements down, and come with the pieces of your life. In the book of Matthew chapter 5, look at Ma are you with me this, this, this morning? A couple more scriptures. You're ready for the next level. Say, I'm ready for the next level. Matthew 5, 3 says, blessed are the poor in spirit. This is Jesus speaking. Blessed, happy, fortunate. You wouldn't put blessed and poor in the same sentence. But there is a place that he's going. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. True greatness is from heaven. Amen. True greatness is measured by heaven. And by the way, you know what? I, you, you understand that greatness is not the same measurement as the world. We are measuring greatness from heaven's perspective. You understand that so far? And, and it is those who are poor in spirit who, who are able to affect the earth with the resources of heaven. Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Heaven belongs to those who are poor in spirit. Again, what does it mean by poor in spirit? Is those who come empty. Those who come to God, you know, you didn't come to God. It's not like you, 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 when you come to God in your spirit, you come, fill me, God. Satisfy me early. You see what I mean? It's an eagerness to, for more of him in you. It's you just putting yourself in that position. He says, theirs is the kingdom of God. We've got to stop going before God trying to impress him. Amen. Now, it's good that you know the scripture. It's good that you know when to quote the scripture. How, if I, do you know most of, the, most of your quoting of scripture, it is not for God. It is for you. Do you understand? The reason why it's good that you put a confession in your mouth, it is not necessarily for God. It is because the confession of the word in your mouth renews your mind and gets you to align with God. So, so going before God, it is great that we have our scripture in our mouth. Never put that down. Everyone understand what I'm going? Uh, I, never stop quoting scripture. Never stop praying scripture. Amen. Never stop speaking scripture. But what I am saying is that you have to go with an understanding that it is not my ability to remember all these scriptures. Jabez did not pray one scripture. All he said is, Lord, bless me. Amen. The Bible had not been written then. Are you with me so far? And so, 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 so when we go before God, we, we, we want to go before God with a sense of, God, I, I need more of you. I am hungry for more of you. I, I don't have what it takes without you. It is not putting yourself down, but it is saying, God, you are my life. You are the lifter of my head. Amen? When you start going before God with a sense of pride that comes because, because of all the, the work you have done to learn those scriptures, <laughs> you've lost focus. It is the poor in spirit who, who will inherit, who, have, who own the kingdom of God. It is a person who comes to God empty that will access the kingdom of God. Isaiah 57, let me show you some scripture. Isaiah, is this helping somebody this morning? Yes. Your level of great, I can smell greatness in the air. Yes. I can smell, you, you're, about to, you're about to step into a new level. Yes. 
I'm telling you, you're about to step into a new level, a new season, and, and everyone will see. God always does things in the life of his people so the world will know that these are those whom the Lord has blessed. Amen. Amen. But we've got to, you know, it is what you do in your secret place that will determine how elevated you are in the public. All the stuff I'm talking about, it's not, it's, not, it's not public place thing. Brokenness is not what you do on the street corner. Brokenness is what you do. I'm, I'm addressing stuff you're, you're going to have to do when you go home. No one is going to be able to judge your level of brokenness unless they have access to your secret place. So what we're talking about here is not stuff that you're going to have to come back and impress your neighbor that you are broken enough. You, you, that, that's, not, that's nonsense. You know, you're, it's stuff that I'm asking, let's go home. I have this image of all of us taking this word home and going before God. I'm telling you, you will come out with your light brighter. Yeah. Isaiah 57 verse 15 says, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity. Isaiah 57 verse 15. Who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. This is, this is God. This is what he says. He says, I dwell in a high and holy place with the oppressed and with the oppressed and humble of spirit to restore the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart that is contrite. He says, you would think that a God who is holy and who is this big God just dwells only in high places with those who are high, with those who are strong. But the scripture says, you know, that he dwells among the oppressed. Among us as, as, as human beings, we see brokenness as such a bad thing. We see brokenness as weakness. We see, um, we see brokenness as a problem. That is why, you know, I found out that, I, that there was a, a season in pastoring where I, I, I was, you know, worried about saying what I was weak at, what I wasn't good at, because I'm wondering, if I say what I'm not good at, what would you do? Would you still come back if you knew this guy listens to Afro beats after he's preaching? <laughs> Would you still believe that this guy is anointed? Uh, uh, but then I realized that really God, uh, God is looking for your weaknesses. You can be impressed with, my, with what is great about me, but you will only ever be impacted by my weaknesses. Okay? You can be, I'll say it again. You can be impressed. It's a different thing to be impressed or even inspired. It's also, that is different to being impacted. It is your, your weakness will always have more impact on those that, that God has called you. That's a whole other class, but I'll leave that alone. But you would think that God dwells alone with the strong, but God dwells with, that is why some of us who stand before you, we are the weakest people. I'm telling you. We are the people that are loaded with more issues. God put you in the poop. <laughs> you would think that, can I just dispel that myth? A lot of the time you will think that the person standing before God is the more holy one than the one in the pulpit. In fact, the, go check out all of Jesus' disciples. Some of them were walking around with knives. In the, you talk about knife, knife crime in our day? Ask Peter. <laughs> Peter walking about with knives in his pocket. You, you mess with, I'll call your ear up. He wasn't playing. These are the people Jesus chose. <laughs> because his strength is, is he, his strength is he dwells with those who are oppressed. He dwells with those who are who are who are broken, who are who who, who are heartbroken. Let me just say, by the way, whilst we are here, if by any chance your heart has been broken by a situation, 
Okay, this also applies to you. Listen carefully. If by any chance you are heartbroken, you, you have been let down by a person, you feel like you haven't got what it takes because you trusted somebody and they let you down. You had hopes. These are the things that often break our hearts. You had hopes that this is what would happen, but it didn't happen this way. And so now you are heartbroken because you are disappointed in the situation. Or maybe even, even particularly if you are bereaved, a loved one passed away and you are heartbroken because you are wondering, how could this happen? I need you to know that you are particularly in a season of becoming greater. In the moments where you are heartbroken, the Bible says in Psalm 35, verse 18, uh, sorry, verse 8, he says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Do not deny your brokenheartedness, regardless of how it got broken. It doesn't matter whether it was your own mistake and you gave somebody something you shouldn't have given them. You gave them your body or you gave them your money and you feel defrauded because they took that thing and they misused it. It doesn't matter how you got here or whether you think it's your fault or not. God doesn't count all of that. But he looks for the brokenhearted and he is with them to save them and to redeem those who are for crushed spirit. So if you are ever in a season where you are weak and your spirit is low and you're dealing with depression, I congratulate you on one hand because you're about to step into a greater season because God has found a perfect candidate to be built up. You see, how we can't even accept that because in our world, that is the worst place to be. All of us want to be there and we ought to be growing. But the reality is life puts us in certain places. But God finds you when you are brokenhearted. Amen. Isaiah tells us why God dwells with the oppressed or, or, or the crushed in spirit. If you go back to Isaiah, Isaiah 50, 57, we're, we're almost done. He tells us why. He says, to restore the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. It, 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 <laughs> um, brokenness is the willingness to humbly yield the pieces of your life to God. Okay? It is the willingness to see God as a potter. The potter doesn't use, before the potter can use something, it has to be in pieces. The clay needs to be without shape or form. Amen? Brokenness is coming to God with your weaknesses, with your issues, coming to God as yourself, coming to God without a desire to try to impress him. But he's coming to him saying, this is the clay that I have. It isn't much. And he's yielding to God to the place where he can take that clay God derives joy from putting, making masterpieces out of dirt. When he was looking for how to create human beings, I always say he could have used diamonds to make me. Amen. If I was God, that's what I would do. For my, my prized possession, I'd make you be, see, everyone here will be shiny. You know, your forehead, as big as it is, it, is, it will be shiny. I'm sorry. <laughs> we, just, we just need sunglasses because every, all of us will be blinging our hair. But, but God, in his nature, decides what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the thing that everyone kicks off their shoes, the stuff that you don't want to bring into your house. If your children bring dirt into your house, you send them back out because you don't want dirt in your house. And God chooses that thing 
And he says, I'm going to take it in its pieces and I will make the masterpiece. This is why wisdom is humility. Listen carefully. Wisdom is the willingness, the, the understanding that if I'm going to go before God, I've got to not, you know, in, in fact, someone say, Pastor, what you're saying, because uh, I, I thought this when, I'm, when I was preparing this message and thinking, this doesn't sound like faith, but I'm telling you, this is the highest level of faith that I can find. It is the faith, faith is the conviction that God is able to do with your life what he said he will do. There is no higher level of faith than knowing that I can bring my mess before God. I can come before God depending on his mercy alone and trust that he will make a masterpiece out of my brokenness. This is why broken people always rise higher because broken people bring pieces to the master that the master can now use. In fact, a lot of the time, the master would have to break down the piece before he can build it back up. I know you don't like to hear that. A lot of the time, <laughs> ask the children of Israel. Every now and again, they would get too arrogant and too high, and God would just have to. Not because he wants to. He's not trying to punish them. He loves them, but he allows them to be carried away into captivity. Now, listen, they didn't have to be carried away into captivity. They just needed to stay humble. Okay, but because they are not humble, life humbles them. That's why the scripture says, humble yourself before the Lord and then he will exalt you. But the reality is, if you don't humble yourself, life will humble you. At some point, now you feel like there is no God. Wait till the plane starts doing that. Many people are saying all kinds of things about God, but the moment they get into that plane, 60,000 feet or however high they're up in the air, you look around you, it's just clouds. Anybody? And the plane starts shaking, and it's cool when the air hostesses are walking around, but when they sit down, you say, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, it's about to get serious. The point I'm making is hum life will humble you if you don't humble yourself. Wisdom is, is saying, God, you are the potter. I am the clay. I know that everything that is great about, the clay will only be as great as it yields to the potter to allow the potter. God is the, I just, oh man. Your next level is shaped by God. You know, your next level of greatness is shaped by God. This is why brokenness is so important because when you yield to him, you allow him to make you into the next shape. He might put you in the fire, but you're going to come out Amen. like gold. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Amen. I thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, because every time you send us your word, you always have a mission in mind. Come on, lift your hands where you are. I want you to forget about your neighbor. This moment is important. I preach everything I preach so that I can influence what you do in your secret place. And right here, we might be in public, but you can go into your secret place in the next two minutes. You can go into your secret place forgetting about your neighbor, forgetting about what they think, forgetting about them, and, and yielding to this God who is able to mold your next level. You are the righteousness of God. You are accepted in, his, in, in the beloved. You are loved and you are valued. I want you to go in there knowing all of that and knowing that I am what I am 
by the grace of God. I want you to go, go with him. You're not trying to impress him. Go with him with your weaknesses. Stop denying that you have that weakness. Stop denying what you are scared about. Stop denying what you are worried about. Just go as you are right now. Because the master wants to make you into a masterpiece. The scripture talks about Jesus. Jesus literally died of a broken heart. When water and blood came out, science will tell you it is because of what happened in your, the, the rupture of the heart. Uh, he, he died of a broken heart and, 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 and his death God used to exalt him. Because when you humble yourself before God, when you humble yourself before God, he will exalt you. I want you to humble yourself in this moment. Forget about your neighbor. Forget about how you look. Forget about anything else. Just yield to him this morning. Some of you need to rededicate your life this morning. The Lord promised me his presence this morning. He was going to do a good work in us. I see him already at work. I see him already at work. You're not going to go back the same way you came. I want you to have this sober-mindedness that how, had it not been for the Lord who was on our side, this sobriety that says, God, it is you. And it's not a place where you're begging God because he has already decided to. You understand that? It's not a place where you're trying to make God do something by... It's a place by, by how we behave. It's a place where we're just truly acknowledging that He has been our life and our life source. Where you're truly acknowledging how fleeting life is without Him. And you're giving Him the glory that is due. Thank you for sustaining us. Thank you for preserving our lives. Thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you for redeeming our life from destruction. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Say after me, Heavenly Father, I am like clay in your hand. I know at this moment you are shaping my next level I give you all the pieces of my life you are faithful and able to create the next level with what I have I give it to you you are trustworthy you can be trusted with everything I entrust to you.